May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. This past fall, I had uh, the great privilege to journey to London for the first time in my life. Um, my wife and I went as part of the contingent from St. Michael's to go to the Compass Rose meeting, and um, we just had a really wonderful time. When I started to think about this series and talk with Father Bob and Justin about Mind the Gap, um, since that moment, several months ago, until today, I can hear the voice in the London tube. Mind the gap, mind the gap. And I, I want to do a little explanation of why that is what it is, and I think that will help us just think about why we're doing this series in general. So at the London tube, there are um, cars. You think of a subway or the L or whatever, different trains, right? And they're straight, right? But some of the tracks are curved, right? And especially some of the tracks are curved at some of the stations when you would get on or off a train. And so if you have something that's straight and something that's curved, there's a gap, right? So it's literally to watch out for that gap between the train and the station. Now, you guys, we're used to, we're very safe. All of our trains are straight and all our tracks are straight, right? So when we get off of a train, none of us ride trains, whatever. But you know what I mean? <laughs> it's pretty, pretty. <laughs> so another example of the same kind of warning, mind the gap, um, but we'll talk about this in terms of, of, of a space. Um, you might think of if you're on like a, a moving walkway and you hear the thing, what does it say? Watch your step, walkway, you know, it's, it's about to stop. Or if you get in an elevator or a train, doors closing, doors closing, that's another one, right? They're all kind of saying the same thing, like, hey, pay attention, watch out, don't trip and fall, right? All of these things are kind of giving us that heads up that there's something that we need to pay attention to right now. And I think that's what we're about in this series. When we say mind the gap, we're trying to pay attention to things that might trip us up in the spiritual life. So today we're going to talk about failures and how those might cause us to um, fall or trip or get hurt. Not always, but often in the spiritual life, um, our failures are caused by sin. And one of my favorite definitions of sin, if there can be such a thing, is sin is anything that causes separation between us and God. So if we and God are supposed to be an intimate, close relationship, sin is anything that causes us to separate ourselves from God. God's not separating God's self from us. We're doing the separating. We're the ones causing the gap, right? Um, and anything that we, we do uh, that would get in the way of that relationship with God causes separation. We call that sin. So it can be in terms of things that we do, and you all have a list of those in your mind, things that you might do that cause you not to feel close to God, decisions that you make. And there are things that we fail to do that can cause a separation from God. So let's say you don't come to church for a month. Well, you've created a space. You've created a gap between you and God because we need to be together corporately to worship God on a regular basis. Or let's say that you've gone a whole month without spending time with God in God's love letter to us in the Bible. 
If you haven't read the Bible in a month, then you've created a gap in your knowledge and understanding of God that is, causes some separation. Or let's say, uh, heaven forbid, that you go a whole month without praying, without communicating to God, without talking and listening and being loved by God in that moment of prayer. All those things can cause space between us and God. And if, if we continue to do so, that, that gap can get wider and wider and can become a chasm. And chasms are pretty hard to cross. Now, a little gap to step over, you know, we can overcome that pretty easily. But if we continue to build up those gaps through our sin, through what we're doing or what we're not doing, it gets harder and harder for us to find that closeness with God. Now, the good news, of course, is that the cross is that bridge over the chasm, but just because there's a bridge there doesn't get you there. You still have to get on the right path, right? You still have to orient yourself right to God. You have to repent, turn around from those things, and to keep going. Getting tripped up in our own failures can cause these gaps and these own spiritual failures, and I want to talk about how we can cause these things. I mentioned a few examples, but I also want to look at specifically some examples from our, our passages today. In 1 Corinthians, we hear, so if you think that you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. Overconfidence. Overconfidence. It might be easy for us to think that we're doing all that we're supposed to do, and gosh, look at me, aren't I great, and I... I pledge to the church, and I come to church every week, and I attend my Bible study faithfully, and I'm doing awesome. And that's the moment <laughs> when you will create a gap between you and God, when you can get tripped up in your own overconfidence. Now, our favorite hero, Peter, does this, right? In the gospel we just heard, Peter says, Lord, though all others deny you, I will never deny you. Jesus says, ah, Peter, you're going to... You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. Even if I have to die with you, I will not do it. Peter's overconfident, right? Because what does Peter do? He denies Jesus three times, <laughs> right? And so his overconfidence puts him in a position to fail spiritually. Now, <clears throat> that's not the only thing that Peter does. It's an example of things that get us into trouble. Another thing that he does is when he's being accused of being a follower of Jesus, he speaks without thinking, right? Immediately, every time somebody says, and I love to think of this sort of in that uh, Peter, like responding before they even finish, you know, that, hey, weren't you with, no, 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 I didn't know him. You know, I, I like to think of Peter sort of just being very vehement and denying these things. Your accent betrays you. No, 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 no I, I promise. I don't know the man. In fact, he swears, he curses, right? Whoa. So speaking before we think about what we're saying is another thing that we often do that gets us into trouble spiritually and can cause a failure in our relationship. Finally, the other thing that I think that Peter is an example of that I, you and I get hung up in all the time, and is that's caring too much about what other people think about us. Now, we should care a little about what people think about us. That's good for our self-esteem, but not so much that it causes us to separate ourselves from God. So Peter is worried that these people are associating with Jesus. They should, because he's been with him for three years. And oftentimes you and I might be concerned that people think, oh, they're, they're a little, they're a little too Jesus-y. Uh, we used to use a term, uh, I'm looking at Justin back there, called Jesus freak. All right, whoa, that's a little too much. And if we're so concerned that people might think less of us for being the, 
we might separate ourselves from the closeness that we're experiencing with God, and that is another spiritual failure. What do we do? What do we do to fill in this gap? What do we do when we fail? How do we get back in right relationship with God and with each other? First thing we have to do is we have to admit that there is a failure. We have to admit that we have caused some sort of separation between us and God. And this goes the same with our brothers and sisters, right? If we, if we sin against one another, it's, we're causing a separation, a gap in our relationship. We have to admit that that's a real thing. It is not fake news. It is a real thing that happens. Our actions have consequence. So after we admit that there's some separation, we can look to Peter again and have a process of grief. We should feel sad if we feel separated from God, because that's not God's intent for us. Remember, God in creation makes it so that he's walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden in the, in the afternoon, right? God wants to be so close to us. It's like God is walking with us all the time. And if we do something that causes that separation, we should feel sad because we're missing out on something really special. After we admit that there is a failure on our part and we grieve it, we have to remember that we can't fix this on our own. Another mistake, another failure in our spiritual lives is when we think, you know, I've got to fix this all by myself. Men, I'm talking to you. I'm going to do it. I don't need anybody's help, right? We need each other. We need the church. We need to be in community with each other. We need people that we trust and can say, you know, I've, I've, I've messed up. I want to make it right, but I, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. I need your support. I need your accountability in my life. Peter's another great example of this. After he denies Jesus three times, what does he do? He goes and, and weeps bitterly, right? He knows what he's done. He admits it. He cries, and then he doesn't go off by himself and hide in a cave somewhere. Mary Magdalene, the day of resurrection, finds Peter with the rest of the disciples all grieving together of Jesus' death and of Peter's own action, I'm sure. And then later on that same day, after the resurrection, all the disciples are together in the upper room. Peter's with them, right? He doesn't attempt to, to fix this problem on his own. Of course, the good news in all of this is whatever failures we might have in our spiritual lives, that God is faithful to us in our, in our failures, and God's mercy is something that we can experience quite profoundly in our failures. I want to read from you what happens to Peter after the resurrection. It's a familiar um, couple of verses for some of us. But after Peter has denied Jesus three times, we hear this passage um, in John 21. When they had finished breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. God is so faithful and merciful 
that even though Peter denies our Lord three times, three times our Lord restores Peter to right relationship with him. And of course, Peter goes on to be the rock of the church that Jesus promised he would be. He goes on to be a leader in ministry, even a bishop in Rome. And when you and I experience the great mercy of God through our failures, we too can be restored to right relationship with God, with each other, and can go on to do great things in ministry and in the church. Because of God's great mercy in our failures, we don't have to walk around in shame and grief. We don't have to hold on to those failures. We can give them to God and let them go. It's no longer cause for any despair in our lives. Now, over the course of, of my decades in ministry, I've noticed that um, for some people, some failures in their life are really hard to let go of. This is understandable. There's some major spiritual and other failures that we might experience that are really just hard to let go of. And coming to church and offering those as part of a corporate confession and being absolved, it, it may work for many of the things that we do, but some things are really hard to let go of. And so uh, the stages that we just kind of talked to admit, admitting uh, that there is failure, that there's a separation, grieving it. Um, I'll add a uh, making restitution is an important part of that. Confessing um, and then uh, receiving God's mercy and letting it go. Sometimes we need help with that. And in the Episcopal Church, we have a sacrament called the reconciliation of the penitent. Um, it's a wonderful experience for anybody who's really holding on to a failure. In the Episcopal Church, we say uh, for reconciliation, all can, some should, and none must, right? So you don't have to be, go through that right uh, before you receive Eucharist or anything like that, but it is available to you. It's available to anybody. And some of us need to do it because we're holding on to some failure we just can't let go of. God doesn't want you to do that. God wants you to be relief of that failure so that you can be restored to right relationship with God and your brothers and sisters so that you can move forward and do ministry in the world. God can work miracles through our failures. Father Bob mentioned last week so many of the saints of old, those heroes from the Hebrew Bible and from the, the stories of the saints, um, murderer, an adulterer, uh, a prostitute, um, you know, all the mistakes that might be made in our lives. God can use those mistakes and the people who make them to do incredible things in the world. Even me, even you. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this series in which you call us to mind the gap, to pay attention to the spiritual separations in our lives. Lord, we thank you so much that in the midst of our failures, you are merciful and faithful to us. Help us to pay attention to the ways in which we have failed to do the things we ought to have done and those things which we should not have done. Help us to be reconciled to you and to one another. Thank you for your mercy and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.